1: Welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. This is Diana Clark, and I'm joined today by Michael Conway and Zachary Conway, and they run a company and are the founder, CEO, and director of Conway Wealth Group. Beyond being in a planning group and a advisory group, they bring something different to the table. Welcome, Michael, welcome, Zachary. We're looking forward to hearing what else you bring beyond being financial advisors to your clients.
2: Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks very much.
1: So I know that wealth advisors are continually being brought into broader elements of their clients' lives at this point. We aren't just as wealth advisors or advisors advising about the narrow focus very often. What kind of ways do you address the multiple needs of your client families?
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, when we think about what it means to be a financial advisor, we think touching on these different areas of life are really you know fulfilling the role of of what it means to be a financial advisor it's really fulfilling the definition of advisor and so we spend a lot of time in our business talking to families about all areas of life and even going so far as to quantify satisfaction in those areas right so how satisfied are you with things like your health and your personal relationships you know it's obviously important to know how much money you make in, in, in what you do for a living. But from our perspective, it's also important to know how much meaning are you getting out of, of that job, right? How, how uh, satisfied are you with things like your philanthropic impact, for example? And we see, again, we see these things as, as critical to, to what we do and, and our job description. And I think, unfortunately, advisors, and this is becoming less true, uh, but advisors have sort of seen these issues as falling outside of their job description, right? And, but, we, but we know and believe that not only are these things that are, you know, these things are, are parts of life that are the biggest determinants of happiness for long, uh, long-term happiness for families, but these are things that also are the biggest determinants for long-term financial security, right? So you're, what's on the balance sheet what's in your investment portfolio don't necessarily define your financial security. So it doesn't matter how much you're worth if there's a health issue. Right. And what that means to your your wealth over time or being around long enough to enjoy the wealth because of a health issue or if there are relationship issues within the family that can certainly affect assets over the long term. Um, And so I, again, I think at the same time, so much of those traditional deliverables uh, of financial advice are being commoditized, right? If you can go open a, uh, an account on Betterment, right, to, to have an investment portfolio, what can we be doing as advisors to really add uh, holistic advice that that ensures deeper value to the families and I would say we still hope, you know, other advisors are are spending more time on these issues as well.
1: So in some measure, you're defining wealth differently. You're adding in the emotional and psychological components, right?
2: Yeah, I I think we want to talk about all these different areas of life. And it's, you know, Diane, I, I think one of the main things we are is conversation starters, and there's so much value in starting a conversation and really disrupting the status quo for families. Um, you know, we all know it's, it's, um, we tend to not always proactively deal with the parts of life where we're dissatisfied. Go figure, right? Sometimes we put it Mm -hmm. off, whether it's our health or those relationships we should fix, But a big part of our value is simply bringing up these issues and having discussions around them. Um, And having a family begin to think about how to address those issues and how those issues might actually play a role in that financial plan, I think is, is not only interesting, but it's big. You know, at the end of the day, we are financial advisors. We're not doctors. We're not marriage counselors. We simply, as I said a second ago, we start the conversation. And then as the quarterback, to bring the, we need to then bring in the right professionals to help those families with whatever that particular uh, issue might be. So anyway, the, in the industry, the surveys are telling us that clients are actually expecting advisors to go deeper in these areas, and, and as we talk today, we'll talk more about surveys and what the numbers are telling us, but yeah, we want to be there to be the conversation starters in these different that, areas, for sure.
1: That makes perfect sense. So to talk about those and be comfortable with the subjects that people don't wish to raise themselves. You know, I have a client family that I work with where they have two very disabled adult children and a third which, who is showing signs of substance use disorder. And while they have a lot of resources, they have a lot of expected expenses. And I would imagine that that would be a situation that you would look at and go, okay, we need to really account for everything here.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I think a big part of it you know, is how might they lean on sort of what they may perceive as a non-traditional person in their lives to, to start those conversations, right? And being having that financial advisor part of the conversation may on the surface seem like a sort of intrusive um, process. But we have found in the business that that hesitation is really less frequent um, you know, than than you might think, and from our perspective, there, there's there's kind of two reasons behind that: an ability for the advisor to build trust, and then how we as the advisor set expectations early in the relationship to make it apparent that those types of issues that you just referenced are part of the conversation that we're going to have with families. And so, uh, f- from a trust perspective. A lot of advisors, um, and, and we're included in this, work with select families who are often coming to us through referral relationships, right? So someone is introducing that family to us, to the advisor. And so there's a baseline level of trust there because of that uh, uh, introduction. And then we have to build on that by diving into you know an understanding about who we are, how we think, and how we work with families. Um, And and just continue to build that trust. And then again, a big part of the process is that sort of simple art of expectation setting. I think a lot of clients who have these types of issues, as we all do, go go sort of blind into their relationship with a financial professional. And we all have our preconceived notions of what the professional does or should be doing. And historically, the, the notion is that, you know, a financial advisor is sort of the quote unquote money manager. And so we really need to focus on making sure clients who have these issues that need to be addressed understand that we're much more than the quote unquote money manager and that there's clarity on, on how we approach these things. And so we will say to a family, and, and it may be uh, referencing that specific issue, but we know most families like yours deal with plenty of non-financial issues and that those issues aren't always addressed. And we think those non-financial areas, as we said a minute ago, like health, relationships, uh, uh, your work, they all play a significant role in determining long-term financial security. So we spend time with clients to really better understand those complex needs beyond the numbers. And at the same time, families with these specific issues coming into a new relationship with advisors, they may not be willing to dive in immediately, even if there is trust and an understanding of our approach. And so we need to do that qualitative assessment with each client and understand how they're feeling about that engagement. And it may take time.
1: So how do you vet providers to make sure they fit the needs of your clients once you've gone through this qualitative assessment?
0: So it's sort of the same approach, um, you know, the, the way that clients are, are introduced to us, right? So just about every provider that we might bring into a client relationship in these different areas of life has come by way of an introduction from another provider in the network, in our network of providers. And we're very clear that that network is exclusive and sort of a membership model. And we've created this this sort of invitation only approach. And then from there, we'll take providers through, you know, a fairly traditional diligence process. Um, You know, but but once a provider is in the network, and I think to your question about trying to fit the needs um, of each provider to each client, it's really important that you know we're, we are putting that client in front of the right professional. And so we go through, in order to do that, a diagnostic process at the beginning of the relationship that's kind of a gut check assessment on core issues. And then underneath that, we quantify satisfaction across these different areas of life. And with those inputs at the beginning of the relationship, we can then map those issues and that client to the professional service provider in whatever area of life we have a need. And then from there, we, sh- we, we sort of shepherd the process going forward to make sure that the client is then engaging that specific professional. And then of course, we wanna hear from the professional and from the client about how that experience has gone. And the hope is that we have correctly assessed the issue. We've started the conversation We've sort of metaphorically walked the client down the hall to the right service provider. They've added value in that, as it relates to that particular issue, and then going forward, you know, we can we can address uh, other issues and continue the conversation.
1: So, moving forward, what percentage of your communication would you say with clients these days is about health and life satisfaction, as opposed to financial? matters of market and investment advice.
2: So, you know, it's interesting. I said earlier that uh, surveys and statistics, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Our entire industry has finally recognized that these issues are kind of critical to long-term planning. Um, And families also understand how trusted advisors can help kind of really be at the table to to address these needs, not as the professional, but to start the conversation, as I said before. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting. So I, I've been at this a while, Diana, right? So it's to watch how this entire industry has changed. It's, you have to be excellent at financial planning. You need to be great at money management oh yeah, now you need to have the full tech and the full suite of technology, but all that's table stakes. And so we do kind of see that the clients are raising their hand, asking for something deeper in these relationships, and we have to be there to fill that need. A Couple of numbers I think are interesting. And this stuff is from a fidelity survey. So 87% of advisors now agree that advising on non-financial issues is extremely important. Okay, so advisors are saying that's kind of a cool thing. 67% of advisors have seen client expectations grow, check, and 58% of those advisors feel, feel equipped to address those growing needs. So, so the Life and Wealth Network is kind of a solution, we think, in this area. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, it's, we can have a client review, let's say it's an hour, it's an hour and a half, we might talk about the changing tax laws, we're going to talk about the markets, but we may spend 75% of the meeting talking about, you brought up a mental health issue before, so a family member with a mental health issue or the vacation the family wants to go on, or whatever it might be. So a lot of, to your question, a lot of time is spent, and a lot of articles are sent about all these different areas. And again, um, we see uh, clients wanting to discuss it when we bring these conversations up. And as we engage and talk to them about these different areas of life, they they really want to hear about it for sure. And
0: and I would just add to that, um, you know, really to echo what Mike is saying, but it goes back to the point about expectation setting, right? So your question about how much of the conversation is focused on these non-financial areas, well, because we've normalized the fact that we're going to dive into these issues with these clients back at the beginning when we first met the client it's then normalized when six months later, we're in a client review and discussing things that aren't just about what the S&P 500 is doing. So that's not to say that all of those things related to the investment performance and financial planning aren't wildly important. But as Mike just said, those things are table stakes. Of course, we need to to be addressing those fundamental things. But in our relationships, we are going to continue to discuss you know, the non financial areas, and those clients understand that and engage in that going
2: forward.
1: I think as a culture, we are more comfortable talking about the difficult subjects. We talk about cancer, for instance, in ways that would have been unheard of a few generations ago. So we're moving more towards discussions of mental health and, and, other forms of behavioral health. Have you noticed that in your practice? Are people more open with you?
0: Yeah, it's, I would say that there is this general positive trend in the direction of openness, right? People are are more willing to discuss across these areas of life where we're dissatisfied. So whether it's mental health, addiction issues, to satisfaction in a career, you know, you may be sort of, it was sort of a paradigm historically of you find your career you're in it it's the purpose of that is to make money you save your money then you can pay your bills in retirement and now there's this more open dialogue about fulfillment and are we in a career that we actually enjoy being in are we in relationships that are really to our benefit and yes to your question i think people are more willing to discuss those issues um and, and and I think the stigma in particular around things like mental health is definitely fading. And I would just add to that, I think, unfortunately, there is a little bit of, you know, with wealth comes maybe uh, uh, more attachment to that stigma. Again, I think that's changing, too. Um, you know, it's not that wealth itself is creating the stigma. I think, as you touched on, it's society, it's our culture that has created stigma being able to talk about these things but i but i'd also say and this is how financial planning always intersects with these issues people with money and this is sort of painting with a a broad brush but we've seen it tend to use those dollars to solve the problem right and that's not always the most effective solution so if there's an addiction issue sending the person to the most expensive uh, facility facility on the planet by default is not necessarily the right approach. And so we create these sort of vicious cycles of we- with wealth um, that doesn't necessarily address the problems. And so it ties back to, again, how we see our role of being that sort of unbiased third party in the room. And, and in being that, it does kind of allow families to, to have a conversation with each other that they might not otherwise have. And so being that conversation starter, and that, uh, that unbiased sort of arbiter, I think, is, is hugely valuable.
2: Just to give you an example, as we think about this, it is so rewarding, right, to do the financial planning part of this. But as we get examples, as we talk to clients, and I'll give you one example, imagine someone saying, every time I think of you, Michael, I think of the Life and Wealth Network because I was pre-diabetic. And now I no longer am because I I got introduced to the right nutritionist and changed my entire paradigm and my entire thinking around food, not only for myself, for my family, but things like that. Again, it's one thing to get a great rate of return for a client. It's entirely another thing to point them in the right direction to get solutions like this, whether it's health or mental health or family vacations or, or whatever it might be.
1: That is a beautiful story to know that you were able to have that kind of impact through your process. Is there ever a client, however, that you look at, and maybe the answer is no, there is no such client, but are there times when you just say, I think this is more complicated than we are able to take on?
2: well i so the answer is yes right because again we are only identifying potentially hot spots we again we are not the doctors or the people that are going to come in to fix a lot of these issues we are simply going to refer them out to other folks so at the end of the day we're not going to get under the hood to try to solve problems that's not our role our role is to start conversations and do begin to help to try to refer people to the right folks to get things solved whether it's the right vacation or whether they have an identity theft issue or um you know whatever it might be but uh you know we're we're here to help with starting the conversation and finding the right solutions for them
1: that was great way to close this session oh you can tell i'm a therapist session i meant segment so I love the idea that you folks are providing counsel, resources, to people's more um, expansive needs as opposed to just money. And I think you're right. Families are clamoring for that kind of resource. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Zachary, for joining us today.
2: Diana, thanks for having us. This was fun. Appreciate
1: your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. Today, we had Michael and Zachary Conway of Conway Wealth Group, and we hope that you enjoyed the episode and on your preferred platform and like us.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit
2: BeyondTheBalanceSheet.com to read more about our guests and resources, and sign up for our newsletter.